You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We're going to have some D-backs, we're going to have an Angel, and we're going to have an Astro. But we're going to start with the manager, now friend of the program, Tori Lovello, former Oakland A. What's really cool about the manager of the D-backs is he actually got on Google Meets with us so we could actually see him. Most managers, you'd have to do it by phone. But he wanted to be able to uh, see us also. So uh, Tori Lavello is going to join us. The great Luis Gonzalez, one of the premier outfielders of his time, now is a special assistant to the D-backs. Garrett Anderson, A's killer. What a career he had with the Angels, now doing television down in Southern California. And our old buddy, also a former A, now does radio for the Houston Astros. Sparksy, Steve Sparks will be with us. But Tori Lavello, ever since we met him, down in San Diego at the winter meetings, we've gotten to know him, and he's a really cool guy. And we always appreciate his time because let me tell you, getting a manager on from the other team, and it's the start of a series when they're going through all their stuff, not easy to do. But Tori came on. Here is our conversation with the Diamondbacks manager. You know, the last time we saw you down in San Diego at the winter meetings, we talked about how we were looking forward to, to watching your ball club play. How have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, you know, that was when it was all normal, right? Probably the last time baseball people were all together in one place. Um, but everything's been going good. You know, we're, we're glad to be back at it. We're glad to be back on our feet playing baseball again. And I know the whole industry is moving forward day by day, which we're really excited about. And, you, you know, as I ever since we, we had you on, it's like the only time I've ever rooted for the D-backs was against the Yankees in the World Series back in the day. But now we're pulling for you. And obviously being a former A, and, and I'm looking at your first 11 games versus your last 11 games. Boy, your offense has really turned it on. Yeah, first of all, I appreciate you guys having our back, right? I mean, that's nice that we're feeling some support from some American League uh, teams and uh, we're playing good baseball right now. And I know for the next four days, you're going to be totally a total A's fans, which is fine with me, but, um, we've been doing a lot, right. Over the first uh, 11 games at three and eight, it was, it was a really tough environment, but these guys dug in, they dug together, they believed in one another. And I think the character of these guys showed up every single day. We knew we'd hit, but it was about practicing the right habits. And maybe the season sped up on us. Maybe the shortened spring training had an impact on us. But it didn't seem to bother other teams, and we were kind of confused by it. But we we got back to our basics. We talked about just believing, having good at-bats. We did a lot of our work behind the scenes to make that happen a little bit quicker, and it's been very they've been very uh, responsive since that time. You know, you talked to us in December so much about culture and mm-hmm. changing the culture 
in the clubhouse and really having the team mentality where obviously baseball is about stats and we're always looking at guys' stats, but in the end, what's more important, it's about winning baseball games. And not only in a time like this now about winning games, but protecting each other and keeping everybody safe. And just, just talk about what your clubhouse has been like in, in such a strange and odd year. Yeah, it's a little bit different um, for those that have been in our clubhouse prior to the the, the virus situation and, and after. It's a totally different look. It's kind of broken up. It's sectioned, smaller groups and different pockets. But that hasn't prevented our guys from staying together and believing uh, that they can stay near each other and root for one another. And, you know, really what this culture is all about is um, some of all parts is better than just one person having a good day. So if we want a baseball game, I think the guys know like, hey, we want a good game. I want to I want to put aside what's frustrating me today. Work on it. Make make sure that I'm a part of that equation tomorrow. And you know, I see I see a lot of brotherhood. I see one guy talking to another guy. Uh, we have really good young players that are being mentored by some guys that have done it the right way for a long time. And that's when it starts to get very powerful. You know, it, it, it's something that trips people out. Um, but I, I'm going to say it to you too. I look, you know, after the A's just swept the Giants and had the big win yesterday, 15 to three. There's only 38 games left in the season. That's it. Yeah. yeah, it's scary. It's scary. And, yeah, watch some of your highlights, obviously, looking as much video as possible. Uh, the most recent games, I mean, the A's looked like they were taking batting practice, right? They put a thump on, on, on the Giants, and they're a quality baseball team. So, you know, we, we don't – what we talked about at 3-8, and eight, we're going to talk about at 11-11. and 11. We can't put one game or one series or one team ahead of anybody else right now. We got to take care of today. We know the A's are a quality baseball team, and with 38 games left, that's got to be our granular granular focus. Because at the start of the season, we're like in a panic. We've got 60 games. We got it. We got it. We got it. That definitely didn't work for us. So we got to take care of today. We know quality teams walking in here, uh, and we got to play our best game. You know, we've had a couple guys get out to slow starts, and my whole thing was mentally how are you going to deal with that and for for you as a player you now a coach a manager psychologist whatever you have to do yeah. uh what do you do with a guy that i mean when i'm looking at our own chris davis i mean what do you do with a guy who gets out to a slow start next you know he's looking up and he's batting a buck 50. yeah we've had a couple of those guys and it's hard it's hard to watch them walk through that um, but to have the belief in them and know that they're going to keep working hard every single day, we're going to have some good results. A perfect example of that was Eduardo Escobar. He was probably hitting in that 150 range. He was he had 120 RBIs last year, uh, had a monster offensive year, and was one of our main catalysts inside the clubhouse and on the baseball field. To have him come into my office and tell him after the Colorado series that I was going to combo a day off with a um, a day off from the from the game to spend two days kind of researching, talking about getting a feel for your swing. Those types of things, are, we're having conversations with those guys all the time. He went in, he banged away out, and he had two really good work days. And the, the results have been very positive with a big three-run home run that helped us win a game yesterday. So there's different strategies. You just got to be able to tap into the guys. You got to be able to communicate with the guys. And trust me, I've had Eduardo in, and I said, look, you're not the only guy that's struggling. It's league-wide, but I believe in you. You're going to come out of this. When good things happen, you're going to help us win games. I've asked Bob Melvin this, and I'm going to ask you, is the most important thing for you and your gig is trust? The players have trust in you? For sure, for sure. Um, look, we, we talk about part of our culture is, um, you know, communicating and building trust. And when they know you care and you trust, it's very powerful. And I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm not going to handle a lot of every situation just perfectly. 
I don't know what manager does. And when I do make a mistake, I talk about it openly with the guys and share with them and let them know that I would do it differently the next time. But here's my thinking. And I expect the same in return. What we talk about here is what's important to them is really important to me. So I want to make sure that I listen. And the bond and the trust here is very strong and it's very real. These players go out, they go out and perform without the worry or expectation of what the manager's thinking because I've already covered that with them. And I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but one of the things that we talked about down in San Diego at the winter meetings was, you know, you guys have the Dodgers. We've had the Astros. A's win 97 games, two straight years, and it only got you into a wild card game, right? And, yeah. and you've been fighting for the wild card. Well, since we've talked a lot's changed, there's now going to be 16 teams. The playoffs are going to be much different. What, what What's your thought process like when you now know, wait a minute, it's just not about one division winner and a wild card. Now there's going to be eight teams in the National League in the postseason. Yeah, obviously we're excited about that. We like the expanded role or expanded playoff situation because of the situa- situation we got off to. The three and eight start has kind of put us in a situation where, you know, we, we're we going to hunt down the team in front of us. And that's all we got to worry about for right now. But the way I look at it is you just got to get into the big dance. You get into the big dance, you can hit some big three pointers down the line. You never know what could happen. A hot team. Look at look at what happened to the Nationals last year. Uh, they won a play in game. They ended up going the whole way and, and getting hot at the right time. So anybody's beatable. We respect everybody in our division. We expect we respect everybody that we're going to be playing this year and potentially down the road in the playoffs. We just got to take care of our business. When we do, we're a good baseball team. We get hot, anything can happen. You know, got to ask you about Madison Bumgarner because so many people up here have watched him pitch his entire career with the San Francisco Giants. And we look at the numbers. Obviously, it's not the start he wants. Is You know, he's a very proud man, and he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. But we've seen a, a, a uh, the lack of velocity that we normally see from him. And obviously so many of these pitchers with this summer camp and didn't have enough time. How's he doing? I know he's on the IL. Yeah, he's doing just fine. As a matter of fact, I'll connect with him right after I get done with you guys. I'm going to go on and, um, and spend a few minutes with him because he did throw a sim game today up to 50 pitches and I didn't get a chance to see it, but I want to get a bird's eye view and see what he thought about how the outing went. So he's in a progression right now to get back on the field and help us win some baseball games. We got to remember that, uh, you know, he, he's a pretty dominant presence and he's got unbelievable stuff and he's helped our baseball team, even though he hasn't pitched up to his capabilities, but we got him, we brought him in here to pitch and pitch well, and we know that that will happen. But when you get banged up and you try to go out there uh, to help your team, so you're, you don't burn your bullpen, what you quickly realize is you're probably doing more, more harm than good. So that's why we put him on the disabled list. He's recovering, he's doing well. And when he gets back out there, we know we're going to, we're going to rely on him in a big way. Let's end on this. One of the funny things coming out of San Diego at the winter meetings was your great story about your birthday and Art House sending you down on your birthday. And a bunch of people are like, you can't send a guy down on his birthday. Come on. Yeah, God, you got a good memory. I'll tell you what. We were in Toronto. I just had a great lunch with Scott Brocious and Mike Bordick, and it was wonderful. We walked to the ballpark. We play in the game and then we were going to have a, a nice big dinner at a restaurant. And, you know, it was a show dinner. It's what you love, right? It's my day. It's my birthday. And that blew up. I was on a plane back to San Francisco to, to get sent down out to Edmonton. But that's the beauty of the game. Art was so genuine and so real. And talk about trust. When he told me we're sending you down and it's painful and it hurt, that made me feel better. He said that he'd do all that he could to get me back. Unfortunately, it happened. But I love my time with the A's. Billy Bean obviously running the show there has was unbelievably uh, fair to me, gave me a chance and that's all I could ever ask for. 
Hey, you're one of our favorites. We're pulling for you, not for these next couple of days, but in the National League West, we're pulling for you. I hope to God you guys get into playoffs, and uh, probably the next time we'll see you spring training, but we want to talk to you later on the season. So continued success. Keep winning. Keep doing what you guys are doing down there in the Valley of the Sun. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Likewise, guys. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. Tori Lavella, what a good dude. Really like him a lot. Also, Gonzo, Luis Gonzalez. You want to talk about a guy who had a fantastic career. A five-time All-Star. A World Series champion. His number 20 is retired by the Arizona Diamondbacks. 354 career home runs. 1,439 RBIs. One of the premier outfielders of his time. Good friends with Bob Melvin. Here is Luis Gonzalez. Well, it's always great to have Gonzo on the program. One of the most feared hitters of his time and still connected to the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks as the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luis, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they got out to a slow start. Uh, Look out. They're playing great ball. They've scored 90 runs in 13 games. Yeah, they really have found their niche right now, and they're clicking on all cylinders. They had a great series against – the Houston Astros when they got home. And then, of course, the Oakland A's came into town. And uh, uh, they've been playing well ever since. They're on a six-game winning streak right now. And the one thing that we see in baseball so much is, like, teams hit home runs, they score. Teams don't hit home runs, they don't score. And that's something that is that impressed me coming in, kind of researching this series, is just how well they're moving the line and hitting with runners in scoring position. Everything for the Diamondbacks is not about hitting home runs. Well, in the, you know, the first part of the season, the first, I'd say, about seven or eight games, they only, average, they only hit two home runs. So there was a, a lot of worrying about their, their power, if they were going to have the same potential power that they had last year. And, of course, uh, the ability to score runs. But as of late, these guys have just jumped on the accelerator and have been able to to do a little bit of everything. They've been able to come up clutch with big hits when they need them and uh, get guys on base and uh, really just kind of cutting down on their strikeouts and, and hitting more for average and hitting the ball over the wall every now and then. You know, in your career, you had some monster years, and then you had some years that weren't the biggest years of your career. Uh, what do you think this season would be like? It's a shortened season. You know, some guys get out to a hot start. They can't wait to get to the bat rack. They can't wait to get to the ballpark. And then you got other guys that here they are 20-something games in. They're not even hitting their weight. Yeah, it's it's been difficult for a lot of guys, especially because, you know, the baseball players are more in tune to routines. And I'm sure, especially the older guys, their routine has been thrown out of whack. I mean, these guys that have been playing 10, 12 years in the big leagues. Uh, superstar guys are used to doing what they do every single day for the last, you know, so many years that they've been playing. But now everything has been thrown into kind of disarray. Uh, they've, they've had to re-evaluate and re-prepare of how they get ready for games. For some, it has worked. And for a lot of big-name guys that you would normally see at the top of the leaderboards and averages and doing things like that are really struggling this year to to try to catch up to everybody. You know, a question that has been asked because of everything that happened with, with the Astros and now limiting video and no video during the game, and a lot of these guys now, these modern-day players, 
they've been so used to being able to take in a bat, go up, look at their at-bat on video, make adjustments, and doing it almost every single at-bat. Now they don't get to do it with all, do it at all. You can call it a crutch. You can call it whatever it is. How much do you think this may be affecting some hitters that when you talk about getting out of their routine, taking video away from them has gotten them out of their in-game routine? Yeah, I think I think a lot has uh, has hindered a lot of these guys because of the simple fact that that's the way they came up. I mean, for the old veteran guys, it, towards the end of my career, I started seeing that happening. More videos starting to come into effect, and and a lot of the younger players using that a lot more than what the older guys were using. The older guys would just say, "Give me his best velocity." Uh, you know, what's, what's the hardest he throws? What are his out pitches? What does he like to throw with runners in scoring position to try to get that strike out or what he needs? And now guys are trying to pick up, you know, uh, launch angles and rotations and, you know, just, just a bunch of different things. Um, instead of simplifying, sometimes they make it too, too difficult. And I think right now players are starting to get back into simplify mode and just going out there, seeing the ball, hitting it because, you really, like you said, you don't have that time to go back after at-bats and go, uh, you know, look at your A-B and, and study it and see what he threw you and, and go back out there because they're not allowed to go into those video rooms. How many times did you ever check your spin rate or your launch angle? <laughs> I never did. I actually <laughs> just tried to put the ball in play and just try to hit it hard. Yeah, I remember we were talking with Coco Crisp about that. Uh, he was on the show. He was like, man, I was C-ball, hit ball. I have no idea what these guys are talking about. Yeah, I, I, you know, I see it a lot more now with the younger guys, and that's the generation, the way it is. You know, I have a younger son that plays in the minor league system with the San Francisco Giants, and, and uh, you know, they're all that way. They are, they're all looking for the different technology of what's going to help them get to the big leagues quicker and, and uh, make them stronger and, and get that launch angle and different things like that. And, you know, I, you know, how hard they're hitting the ball off the bat and things like that. And I keep reminding my son, I go, Hey man, the, the biggest hit of my career was a bloop single. So I don't think anybody's going to ever worry about if that ball was hit 110 off the bat, if it falls in for a single or a double, or if you hit one over the wall, um, I, I think most teams are more worried about results of what, you know, what numbers you're going to put up, how many runs you're going to drive in or how hard, you know, pitchers are going to throw strikes and different things like that. So I, I think a lot of times players get caught up in the numbers instead of going out there and just performing. Yeah, that's the greatest bloop single in the history of the game. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I, it wasn't <laughs> the way I dreamed about it, but in, in reality, I'll take that bloop single any day. We, we had Tori Lovello because we got to meet him and know him down at the winter meetings. And we had him on Monday on the show. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, Tori, you're saying, you know, he's a former A and like, Tori, we're rooting for you guys. And it's, and I'm rooting now for the Arizona Diamondback. The only time I've ever rooted for the Arizona Diamondbacks before in my life was when you guys were taking on the Yankees. And, and now it's like, uh, it's a good story team with the D-backs are going on, but you know, with Bob Melvin and, and, and and the fact that I thought it was really cool, kind of the same thing we did up here in the Bay Area is we celebrated the A's that won the World Series in 72, 73, 74, and then we celebrated the team that won in 1989. I got to think during the COVID break, and I know Bob Melvin was on a few of those shows, and I know you guys are pretty tight. Uh, I got to think that was pretty cool going back and reliving truly one of the great World Series of all time, and you guys taking down the big, bad Yankees. 
Yeah, Bowmel is one of my favorites. I mean, not just as a, you know, I, I had him as a coach and as a manager here with the Diamondbacks. And, and I honestly believe the Oakland A's have a gem in him. And he always finds a way to relate very well with his players and his coaches and everyone. And I love the guy. I mean, he's like family to me. I talk to him a lot during the offseason. Occasionally, we'll text during the season because I watch a lot of the Oakland A's games because he's one of my favorites. And I always want you guys to do well. The Oakland A's do well whenever, uh, you know, they're playing. So, um, you know, I'm so happy for him and to see what the Oakland A's have always done with the talent. Uh, they don't always keep it there. A lot of these guys go out there, they put big years, and they end up moving on. But you always see his teams, and he's always got these young, bright, superstar guys that continue to go out there and put up big numbers. You know, there's something about Bob and his relationship with his players, the trust that his players have, especially in today's baseball where there's a lot of tough decisions because decisions are being made by analytics. So you're you're trying to put players in the best possible position for them to succeed. And at that same time, you could be potentially taking at-bats away from a guy. You could be taking innings away from a guy. But it's amazing how the players understand it and respect Bob. He treats them as men, and they trust him that he's always going to try and put them in the best situation to succeed. That word trust is so big in that clubhouse with Bob and his players. Well, you're exactly right, Chris. I think the big thing with him is he's honest with everyone and he tells you straightforward the way it is. He's not going to, you know, try to sugarcoat anything. And I think players respect that. And, and, and he was always like that. Uh, you know, when he was the right-hand man with Bob Brenly being the manager here at the time that we won the World Series, he was always the guy going around the clubhouse just making sure guys were okay and if there was any problems or issues to let him know or to let uh, Brenly know. And, and you know, you respect that. And, and uh, even if it was a positive thing or a negative thing, they were always honest with you. And I think um, that's why I'm so happy for him. He's been in Oakland for a long time doing a fantastic job. And it's never a surprise, I think, to the guys that play the game and people around baseball that always see his team in contention all the time. And, and I'm happy for them right now that you guys are sitting at top of the, uh, of the American League West right now and, and, uh, and playing well. You know, Mike Farron from the D-backs knew that we were going to have you on today. So, what, so there is some story about Bob Melvin and clowns? <laughs> yeah. 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 He, uh, he, Bowmill has a phobia with clowns. And, uh, when he left us and uh, and actually went to the Oakland A's, we were playing. Uh, they came over for a road trip uh, to play in Tucson at the time, and uh, I it was lunchtime, and and I told uh, our manager, I said, "Man, what can I do to get Bowmel? You know, we all love him, all the guys on the team, and we missed him." And uh, you know, we we I, I said, "Man, I know he's scared of clowns," so I called a. a a place and said hey i need to try to get some clowns to come out to the ballpark and they go yeah sure no problem when can you get them and i said well i need them here in about an hour or two and they're like sir we don't just have clowns sitting around here every single day so i said i'll pay double do whatever and actually the owner of the company his wife and another couple went and dressed up as clowns and sat over the visiting dugout and bo mel stayed in the corner of the dugout the whole time so uh yeah it was one of it was uh, it was one of the funnier things that uh, that I've been able to do with Bo Mel, and he never lets me forget it every now and then. So uh, he still wasn't too happy about it, but it was yeah. all in fun. 
Yeah, that is great. I cannot wait to get on him about that. Uh, you mentioned your son, and you know, I think about all the the and and all the athletes, uh, both male and female, uh, high school seniors that lost their senior year. I think about college seniors who lost their senior years, and then I go to all these minor league players. You know, with the dreams of playing in the big leagues, and if you're not invited to the alternate site that essentially you're losing a year of your professional career. I just, this is just, it's so hard to believe how many young men are not being able to pursue their dream right now. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It definitely is. These guys are stir crazy right now. This is their livelihood right now. And they work hard to try to get to the big leagues. And and it's only going to get tougher for these guys because I think every organization is going to be dropping minor league teams. Uh, as was talked about last year before, uh, you know, the, the virus came out, um, you know, every team was talking about, you know, dropping an A-ball team or whatever it might be. So there's going to be less jobs for these guys. So the competition level is just increasing. And then now you have a backlog of guys that were drafted and guys that are stayed back an extra year in college. And you had high school guys that were coming to college. So it, it's just, it's going to be a crazy year this year to see how, uh, if, if they're even going to play college baseball or not and all the things that are going on. So uh, there's still a lot of unknowns out there. There's maybe possibly not being the Arizona Fall League this year, and those are a lot of the prospects that get to go out there and showcase their talents. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are really losing a year of eligibility in college uh, and, uh, and another year for these pro guys that are just a year older and didn't get to get any more experience out there. Hey, it is always an honor to have you on the program. I, I always appreciate it and continued success with everything you're doing with your businesses. Uh, Bob has told us that you're doing really, really well and everything with the Dimebacks. And uh, let's hook up again and talk as uh, I, I think we're going to see both these ball clubs in the postseason. Well, that'd be nice, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. From one good outfielder to another, how about Garrett Anderson? If you're a longtime A's fan, you know Garrett Anderson was a tough out. (laughs) This guy dominated the A's for years. A three-time All-Star, a World Series champion, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and he's in the Angels Hall of Fame and now does television around the Angels in Southern California. Here is Garrett Anderson. Garrett, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. I'm good. How you doing? We're doing well. We're actually going over your numbers, uh, your career against the A's. Boy, you love facing the Oakland Athletics. You had some great career numbers against the A's. Yeah, I did all right. <laughs> you know, that was always a fun time because, you know, you think about your career when, you know, you guys had such great success under Mike Sosha, and, and then you looked at the A's. What great battles you had with the Oakland A's. Yeah, one thing I remember, we just had a bunch of one-run games. Either they won or we won by one run. You know, and I think about your time with the Angels and what a special period that was, you know, because you started when it was the California Angels, and and then you guys really started to get rolling. And I think about that run that you guys had in 02 where – the Angels and the Giants were the first two teams ever to be in the World Series, or both teams were a wild card team, and you guys prevailed. Take us through that time, because it was a really special time in Angels history. Well, I mean, it was the first It was the first run. I mean, it, and that's what made it really special. I mean, the fans showed up. The fans are crazy. I mean, they, 
they were never like that even after all the other playoff appearances after 02. So it was a great run. I mean, I just, it was just something that I'll always remember. Um, there's so many, everybody stepped up during the playoffs, uh, during that whole playoff run of 02. And uh, that's what really made it special is that we all contributed. Well, and it makes me think about what we're going to have this year. Now, we've seen wildcard teams go on and win the World Series and be very competitive in the postseason. But, Garrett, now we're now talking 16 teams. This is like a, a true, almost like a football-type tournament that will lead to the World Series. What, it, what are you thinking about now when you think about 16 teams making the postseason? I'm kind of iffy about it <laughs> because, you know, the, the season is a grind. And uh, when you start teetering on letting teams in that probably didn't have that really great of a year, it kind of takes away from what the really good teams did. But on the other side of it, I know why they're doing it. to create interest in the fans around the league. So I get that. And, you know, you definitely want to have the fans, uh, you know, all in when it comes to the playoffs. So I, I understand both sides of it. You know, we've talked about in a 60-game season, there's going to be guys that get out to a hot start. There's going to be guys who don't get out to a hot start. But to me, the numbers aren't going to really matter the way they normally do. Uh, To me, it's about when you get to the postseason, are you firing on all cylinders? That's going to be the thing is you got this sprint to get there. But then, Garrett, what's it going to be like when you get there? Because it's all about who's going to be peaking at the right time. Yeah, I mean, it's you kind of the season's a wash. I mean, you just try to do the best you can, and uh, for sure, you want to be ready for the playoffs. I mean, I, I think you know, 60 game season, uh, I think it's plenty enough time to get running on all cylinders. I mean, some guys, you know, they take them, you know, 20, 30 games to get them, you know, to get uh, ready to where they can just take off for the rest of the season. So, uh, I'm just glad I don't have to do it <laughs> because. I mean, it's just it, it's such a short time, and there's so much emphasis on every game. Even though in 160 games, there's a lot of emphasis, but it's even more so now because every game is what like 2.7 games or something like that. It's really ridiculous. But you know, everybody is in the same boat. Everybody's doing the same thing, so you can't have nobody can have any. Yeah, we were just joking with our general manager David Ford, saying, "Hey, by the way, you've won 48.6 games so far this year. <laughs> if you do the multiple, if you times by two point, he was having none of it, by the way. Uh, but yeah, that's what's it's it's kind of, it's so crazy. It's like a baseball season that's almost more like a football season. Yeah, for sure, and it's it is a sprint. And you know, one thing though, I know they will be talking about this season for a long time. That's what it's it's not good that we're doing it you know under the circumstances it is what it is but they'll never forget the 2020 season they'll always talk about it and you know what with the 16 teams i hope there is a lot of drama in the playoffs it'll just make it that much more of a better season you know if you're a starting pitcher going up against the angels lineup i mean it's no day at the beach i mean we understand that i mean trout's one of the greatest players we've ever seen Rendon is really getting hot. You still got to do, still deal with uh, pool holes and you got to deal uh, with Otani. Uh, Fletcher just kills the A's and Lestella and, and on and on and on. But the problem, Garrett, is how do they get 27 outs? And we knew going into the season, how was the pitching going to be? The pitching has really struggled. You know, how, how tough has that been following the Angels this year and their overall pitching? Well, I mean, you you just you kind of see what it is day to day, and it's you know Joe Madden has made it no secret that they have to pitch better. 
but yeah, it is. It, it has been tough uh, to, to follow it. I mean, you know, the pitching has hasn't you know lived up to even what you know some expectations that it has have. The offense doesn't have any problems scoring runs. So, but the name of the game is, like you said, stopping the other team from scoring runs and you know making twenty seven outs, and they've been struggling doing that so far this year. You know, I think about the great outfields you guys had when you were playing there. And I think of like Mike Trout now, when you sit back as an analyst for Fox Sports West and, and you break down Mike Trout on a day-to-day basis, what, it's, what is it like for you to analyze him? Because from afar, we, we truly see him as one of the greatest players we have ever seen. Well, yeah, he is. A, and I've told many people, he is a generational player. He's, he has talent on both sides of the ball, and it's fun to watch. I mean, you know, he's just been blessed with an unbelievable bottom, amount of ability. He works hard. He puts his time in. So it's it's cool to see that, you know, that aspect. And, you know, breaking him down, is, it's not really hard. I mean, he just has a ton of talent. He does a lot of things really well. Uh, and it's just a joy to watch. And, you know, when I think about his swing, it's not your traditional right-handed swing. I mean, he's got a little bit of an uppercut, and obviously he likes the ball down, you know, and the ball down and in. It, it, it's kind of, I don't know, kind of similar, wouldn't you say, to almost like a, a left-hander swing? Uh, to some degree, yeah. But, I mean, he really has a – the reason why he's really so effective is because his swing is really short and compact, and that's where power comes from. It's not a, it's not a long swing. It's not gearing up hard. It's just using your hands using your legs, uh, and he's put together really well. I mean, he's not – one of the first things I noticed when I met him, I didn't realize he was that tall, and you know, and you start looking at how he's built. So it doesn't surprise me he's doing the things that he's doing, but what I really like about him is that he's patient. He knows what pitches that he can hit really well, and he tries to stay with that. And uh, I love the short, compact swing. I mean, I wish more players nowadays would do that. I mean, he's – He's not what they're teaching kids to do these days. He's teaching these kids to lift and separate. Well, Mike's not trying to lift and separate. He's just trying to stay short inside the ball. You know, we talk about this all the time where strikeouts are so up across the board. The best teams in the game strike out a ton. It's it's hard to believe. I mean, I think about someone like yourself. There's no way you would have left the big A on a night being cool with striking out three times in a game, right? No, not at all. I took great pride in putting the ball into play, and uh, it's just a different philosophy these days. And you know, frankly, with me, it's really it's it's turned into a boring game. It's it's hard to sit there and watch people strike out all the time. As a, as a former player, I mean, I see guys taking two strike swings, and they're going down to a knee because they're swinging so hard. And it's like, but I guess that's what they're told to do. You know, I I don't know what kind of latitude, but yeah, I couldn't take I couldn't stomach you know striking out three times in a game. You know, when, when, when I heard the reports of Shohei Otani, we knew that he had electric stuff as a pitcher, but there were actually scouts that went over and saw him play and said, eh, I don't think the bat is going to play in Major League Baseball. And now I watch him play. I look at his size. I look at his speed. I look at his power. And I'm saying, what the hell were those scouts looking at? What do you mean his bat's not going to play? This guy's a legit. I mean, I don't know what he's going to be as a pitcher long term, but I know he's going to hit in this lineup for many, many years to come. Yeah, and, and he he displayed you know a few years ago what he can do. I've been missing a year and uh, playing at this level, uh, and I think the pressure that he has on him, he has a tremendous amount of pressure on him. And you know, I did the game last night, and it just looked like. 
he's lost right now. He's trying to hit the fastball, the curveball, the changeup, and his uh, he just doesn't have any body control up there right now. Um, so, you know, and I said last night, I just, you know, you know, wish he would just keep it simple and just say, hey, you know what, just go back to looking for fastballs, not trying to do too much. But it looks like he's, he's just trying to do too much right now. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Continued success there on television. And we'll talk to you soon. Be well and be safe. All right. Thank you. And we'll end with our buddy, the knuckleballer, Steve Sparks, who we're happy to have him. He had a heart attack in the offseason, but he's back and he's good and he's okay. And uh, truly one of the good guys in our game. You know, it's funny. We, you know, we're always just hating on the Astros, but all their broadcasters are such great guys and they're friends of the program. Of course, Sparksy is a former A. Here is our conversation with Steve Sparks. Have the great Steve Sparks with us. You have the great Steve Sparks with you. Thanks how, for having me. Oh, you know what? How are you? I mean, when we heard those off-season reports, and it just it just crushed what? us. What? You know, I faked it. You know, I <laughs> like attention. No, I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I had a heart attack in December. Uh, got pretty lucky, and uh, as of this day, uh, I feel great and uh, fully recovered. Man, just just. Going along right now, kind of, kind of enjoying the no travel right now. I, I, I hate that we're in a situation where we have to do it like this, but you know, I'm not, I'm not griping about the no travel. I think this year, you know, getting back to full health, it, it, it's not a bad thing for me personally, anyway. No doubt, and you know, two, you know, you and Mark Langston, two of our favorites, yeah. and uh, uh, the two of you were lucky that both of you survived. So, I mean, just our, our thoughts and prayers were out for you, and it's just so Thank great you. to hear your voice. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know what, Langer, uh, you know, you talk about him uh, with his episode. It was literally five feet away from me. Our, our booths are right next to each other at Minute Maid Park. And uh, Mark had his heart attack uh, last series of the season, of the regular season last year. Uh, and, and I'm looking at a window uh, right to my right and watching him go down. And, man, it was really scary. It was a jarring uh, event. So, I will say this, you know, just since we have a few listeners have some ears, is that uh, there's a chance for people to go get blood work and there's a calcium score that you can get. And uh, if your calcium's a little high in your blood system, then you might be a candidate uh, uh, to be watching out for calcification uh, around your, your valve. So uh, it's a really easy test and uh, people need to get, uh, stay on top of it. By the way, what age do they recommend that you start the- doing that? Yeah, it depends on family history more than anything else. But I would say, you know, 35, 40 years old, you need to start looking at things and and getting a a regular physical and and letting the the doctors keep things monitored so you have a baseline uh, to know what you're looking at and see if you're improving or or getting a little bit worse. Yeah, because I know, I mean, I'm 48 and now I'm I'm, my blood work, different things are starting to and because. I, I mean, I got to tell you, if, if people looked at you and looked at Mark Langston, you'd look at two guys and go, oh, these guys look great. They should have to worry about anything. Yeah, I had no symptoms, Chris. It was, uh, you know, blood pressure has always been great. Uh, everything is always, you know, checked out really well. But my family history was more extensive than I had actually even realized. So, you know, that's, that's what the doctors told me, you know, even after uh, – surgery they put a stent in, in my heart they just said hey uh family history trumps everything else so if you've got it in in your family uh probably start checking things out sooner than later and 
uh, I got lucky, man, just being able to, to tell, you know, people what, what I've learned along the way. It was the widow maker, you know, and it was 99% blocked. I died three times. They brought me back to life. And, you know, if it wasn't for uh, getting to the, the hospital uh, within one minute uh, of having that heart attack, I wouldn't be here. Give that test again, the, the blood test that our fans should know about. Yeah, it's, a, it's called a calcium score, you know, and I think it's about 100 bucks. You know, you can get this taken uh, every year. Uh, just just tell your physician that, that you're interested in doing it. You know, and if your calcium score is a zero, uh, you're good for, for probably a couple of years, that I would say. But, you know, if, if you have some calcium in your blood, then uh, it's got a chance to calcify and block uh, one of those arteries, and uh, you need to stay on top of it. So what is going on with the Astros? Obviously not the start that they've wanted. Uh, right. Injuries to Justin Verlander. Uh, you know, you lose Garrett Cole. You you lose Wade Miley. You've got a bunch of rookies in the bullpen. It looks like Osuna needs to have Tommy John. Well, just give yeah. me the temperature of what's going on with the Astros. Well, it starts with free agency in the offseason. You mentioned Cole and Miley. You lose those guys. McHugh's gone. Peacock hasn't been able to – uh, respond after uh, some bulkiness in, in spring training, so you lose innings there. Will Harris signs with the Nationals, Colin McHugh's with the Red Sox, so you're starting to see attrition, and then you start uh, to talk about injuries. And, and with Verlander going down, uh, we're supposed to find something out hopefully this weekend after uh, a forearm strain a couple of weeks ago that he needed to rest and uh, probably get another MRI and see where he's at, but even if he's able to play catch again, it's going to take probably three weeks to get ramped up to, to even go five innings, you know, even if you're lucky with that. So you, you're going to have to have guys like Grinky and McCullers and, and young guys step up. And right now it's just a jigsaw puzzle for, for Dusty Baker more than anything else after the starters out of the game. Man, they've had nine uh, pitchers out of their bullpen this year make their major league debuts already, and they've only played 12 games. So uh, that's what that's what they're messing with right now. And, you know, a lot of them uh, they've never even seen. You know, they're just relying on, on scouting reports. So, you know, Dusty talks about, you know, the more relievers you bring into a ball game, uh, the more apt you are that, that one or two of them aren't going to have their, their good stuff or control or you just never know what's going to happen. And, and that's the problem right now is guys, starters aren't built up enough to cover enough innings where you don't get exposed. So they're getting exposed right now, man. It's, it's, you know, once the sixth inning starts, that's when the game starts for the Astros because they can swing it, man. They've, they've got a great offense, but the games don't start until the sixth inning when, when it's the jigsaw puzzle for Dusty Baker and Brent Strom right now. Yeah. And it's kind of like that for everybody. And one of the reasons why the A's are going so good is because the bullpen has been right. so good, but it, but it's really like, Every night, it's flip a coin. What are you going to get out of your starter? Is it three innings, four innings? Mm. I mean, it's almost like six innings feels like a complete game. Yeah, it's amazing the, the way the game's trended. You know, and to get through the lineup twice, everybody feels like you, you've done your job. I just, man, it just doesn't uh, lend itself to, to keeping your bullpen. Look, look what Bob Melvin had to deal with last year. Two years ago, that bullpen, man, I, I, I saw that bullpen staying intact and being one of the best in American League for years. But they were brutal last year. You just don't know what you're going to get uh, from year to year because of the volatility. And I think it's because they get overused because starters don't go as deep as they, they used to. So uh, I think, you know, it, it's probably going to be cyclical uh, with starting pitchers. But, 
man, I'd love to see starters start to go six, seven, eight innings again with regularity. And what the heck, even complete a game every once in a while. You know, we had Richard Justice on from MLB.com. Obviously, you know him for all those years with the Houston Chronicle being in your guys' neighborhood. And he said that uh, when he was at spring training before the shutdown, he said the players looked worn out. Just all the questions, just everything, dealing with it every single day. And, you know, now that they don't have to deal with the fans and really don't have to deal with the media because everything's now a, a Zoom or a Ring Central or a Google Meet call, just how do you right. think the Astros have benefited from not having all the media and all the fans on them at games? They, they may have benefited a little bit, you know, and it's, and it's been brutal. These guys are wearing it. Not to, not to say they don't deserve it, but uh, uh, think about how guys are built these days and social media and how fun. And we think about this Astros team over the last few years. It seemed like a really fun, kind of a joyous bunch. And, with their masks on and not seeing them very often uh, uh, in interviews and things like that, you don't know uh, how they're really dealing with this. And But they don't seem like they're having as much fun. And, you know, it's, it's for good reason. So, number one, they're not winning as frequently. But number two, there's some shame involved. So it's changed personalities, I would imagine, to a degree. And, and I think some of the personalities have gone one way. And, and I'll, I'll state this as an example. Carlos Correa looks maybe tougher and more driven than I've ever seen. And I think it has to do with uh, the way he kind of spoke up. And, and, you know, I think some guys just handle some of these things a little differently. But I I think some some other guys have gone a different direction. I I probably shouldn't mention names, but I think personalities have been squelched to a degree as far as, you know, the swagger that's been involved with this team for the last few years. Hey, listen, man. This this team can hit, and, and they're talented. And maybe the the shame of, of all that went down in 2017 is when you look back, and I think the players would say this: uh, they probably didn't have to. You know, they could probably could have at least rolled the dice and, and taken their chances because they're extremely talented. So um, you will never know. You know, and, and that team's always going to be tainted uh, for for what was uh, uncovered. But uh, it's something they're going to have to live with. And right now, it's still very raw. You know, there were rumors that Jim Crane was going to be like, we got to win this year just so we can validate what happened in 2017 and that the Astros could be big players at the trading deadline coming up here at August 31st. Do you think that could be a possibility? I don't know if that's the exact reason, but he has come out and said this. He, he said, you know what? This team has done well in the last four or five years. Not everybody in the league's in the same situation that we are uh, because of uh, the finances involved when you make the playoffs four out of the last five years. Uh, so we're in a pretty good position compared to most. And with that being said, and we've got you – know, uh, I'm, t- I'm speaking for Jim Crane right now, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. But we've got Brantley, we've got Springer, we've got Reddick, and we've got Guriel uh, becoming three agents at the in- end of the season. And the year after that, it's Grinky and Verlander uh, and Correa. So, so things are going to change. But he has said, uh, because of the climate, and there's teams that aren't in very good financial situation because of the lost games and the lost revenue because there's no fans in the seat, we might be able to take advantage of it. 
on a free agent uh, market right now. So their number one priority is to re-sign George Springer. That's where all things begin. But uh, I think if I was the GM, if I was an owner, I would be aggressive right now because I do have the wherewithal to to keep this window open for a little while longer uh, because of our financial situation. You know, from a pitching standpoint, when Verlander went down and, you know, you heard about the elbow and you start thinking, oh, my God, if it's Tommy John, then that means that goes into next year. Because we're, we're now looking at Tommy John as being something well past 12 months. It's anywhere from 14 to 18. And even with the shortened season, I think the sad thing is I, I, I believe he's our last chance to ever see a guy win 300. And unfortunately, this pandemic, COVID-19, I, I think that may take that that away from us because I, I don't know who's, who's even going to come close. I mean, wouldn't you say he was kind of our, our last hope to see that one more time? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and I still wouldn't put it past him, even, even if the, it, it's the worst case scenario from what you're talking about with his injury. I still think, and I hear him talk about he wants to pitch till he's 45, 46 years old. He and he's driven to do so. He wants to be uh, a surefire. He is. He already is. But I mean, he wants to to be in the upper echelon with with all the all time greats. And he's driven, you know. And not a lot of pitchers with that much talent and with that much pedigree and have accomplished as much as he has uh, are still driven the way he is at this stage of his life. But wouldn't put past put anything past him, and if I was going to put money down right now on whether or not Justin Verlander reaches 300 wins, I, I put it down uh, without hesitating. You know, I, I think he's going to pitch for for quite a while longer. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. Uh, if it is, you know, the Astros will be lucky to have him because he's great. Uh, but even past that, I think he's going to pitch for a while longer. I actually laugh when I hear people. And there's been some articles written that go, we don't know if Verlander's a Hall of Famer. Well, you can ask uh, every A's fan uh, what he did to us in the playoffs in 2012, uh, 2013. If I have a vote, he's a first ballot. What else you got to do in your career, for God's sakes? Now, everybody that plays the game, you know, and you just look at these generations, you know who the Hall of Famers are. If Verlander's not a Hall of Famer, there's not one out here. I mean, he's – you know, in the face of the game right now, he's he's in the top five along with Pujols and uh, Miguel Cabrera. Those guys, I mean, Verlander's in that conversation with, with one of the best of this generation. There's no question. Hey, listen, we're so happy to talk to you. We were praying for you when we heard what happened. We're like, oh, no, it's just we're, we're, we're so happy for you and your family. And, yeah, <laughs> this is, you know, a season for you that – Still calling games, but you don't have the wear and tear of traveling. So uh, take advantage of that, and we can't wait. And, you know, we'll talk to you again this season, but we'll see you next season. We can't wait to see you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, This is going to, man, this is going to be a great series. I think it's statement time uh, for Oakland. They really want to make this statement. It's going to be fun to watch and see how these two teams jostle uh, with each other this weekend. It's going to be fun. So thanks for having me on. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. Well, that's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Tori Lavello, Luis Gonzalez, Garrett Anderson, and Steve Sparks. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.